0: Thanks for joining us for part two of our two-episode Seifarth-Shaw Policy Matters Fireside Chat with the former director of USDOL's Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, Craig Ween. Loosely, the first episode looks at OFCCP's accomplishments and activities during the Trump administration, and the second part of our conversation addresses anticipated policy shifts under President Biden. For full context, we recommend listening to both episodes in order. I'm Scott Hecker. Senior counsel in Saifar's DC office. I'm a member of the firm's labor and employment group with a focus on workplace safety, wage hour, and government relations and policy. Prior to joining the firm, I spent about 12 years in various positions with USDOL solicitor's office and wage and hour division. And as I said, we're honored to have Craig Lean join the Policy Matters podcast today. Craig headed OFCCP from December 2018 through the end of the Trump administration, so he has a unique perspective on OFCCP's operations. Craig is now a professorial lecturer in law at George Washington Law School, a faculty member at the Institute for Workplace Quality, and a member of CIRCA's Board of
1: Directors. Thanks for being with us today, Craig. Thank you, Scott, it's a real pleasure. Good to be and here. for
0: those who, we appreciate it. Uh, For those who may not be familiar with OFCCP, the Office ensures federal contractors and subcontractors comply with the legal requirements to take affirmative action and to not discriminate on the basis of race, color, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, religion, national origin, disability, or status as a protected veteran. It also prohibits federal contractors and subcontractors from discharging or otherwise discriminating against employees or applicants who ask about, discuss, or disclose their or theirs or others compensation. Craig, we ended episode one talking about how Jenny Yang might build on the work of prior directors in her role heading OFCCP. Do you have any predictions about how priorities might shift under Director Yang's leadership?
1: Yes, there's there's always change, and that is good. Um, you know, you had uh, Director James, Director Shu, change some things from Director James in the Bush administration. Uh, In this, in the Trump administration, former Director Harris and then myself, we changed a number of things, and I'm sure Director Yang will as well, and that's positive. But the main important thing to remember is that OCCP is an auditing agency, and what it does should be largely apolitical. And so, you know, the good things, um, you know, there's always going to be differences between administrations, particularly ones of different parties. Uh, traditionally, Republican administ- administrations, like the Trump administration, focus more on collaboration with contractors, uh, compliance assistance, uh, and and where and there is an enforcement focus, but it tends to focus more on trying to resolve cases quickly through settlements and things like that. In Democratic administrations, at least in the past, they've tended to involve a more adversarial approach. I think that's fair to say, and they tend to involve the filing of more lawsuits, and so I don't, you know, I don't know whether that's the course uh, Director Yang will take or not. I do know that she's extremely well respected in the civil rights community. I have tremendous respect for her. I was happy to see her appointed. Uh, it brings a lot of attention to OCCP. She's a former EEOC chair. It's a very high profile appointment. And I wish her the best, and I think she's going to do really well. I think she's going to bring. I think she's going to be able to advocate for OCCP to get her more resources, a larger budget, more employees, and I hope that she will take the things that she agrees with that I did and build on them. And I think there's a lot of good things to build on.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned a lot of those in response to the first question. So hopefully, there will be a good bridge there. Um, Shifting gears for a sec, President Biden directed his administration to start the work that would allow him to issue an executive order within his first 100 days that requires federal contractors to pay a $15 minimum wage and provide emergency paid leave to workers. Appreciating this is maybe more of a wage and hour question. I think they would be the ones to enforce it. I'm still curious about your views on how an increased contractor minimum wage could impact OFCCP and its efforts.
1: Well, I want to start by saying the part about the emergency paid leave, I think, needs to be done. Uh, the lack of emergency paid leave in this country uh, causes tremendous disparate impacts to vulnerable communities, in particular. And you, you know, having more security that you can get that emergency paid leave is really necessary. And you know, best companies are already doing that, but a mandate would be helpful in that regard, in my opinion. As to minimum wage, a uh, fifteen dollar minimum wage uh, for contractors—that's always a more debatable issue. Uh, not that getting a higher wage isn't a good thing, and that often helps people who need it the most and who are working very hard uh, for that money. But typically, you know, uh, if you do increase the minimum wage that beyond above what the market wage would be, that does tend to lead to people uh, also losing their job, and the people who lose their job typically there's a disparate impact on vulnerable communities as well. So it helps more vulnerable communities uh, for those who are able to retain their job because they get a higher wage, but it also leads to more displacement of workers. So um, I think it's it's an issue that really you need to study very closely. Um, I know that in the Obama administration, there, the executive order raised uh, the minimum wage for a contract worker, contractor workers on federal contracts to, I believe, $10.00. And ten cents an hour, and so this would be a substantial increase. Uh, you know, basically fifty percent of ten dollars increase. Um, so you know, as a Republican, you know, I I I think you always have to be careful when you're adding additional regulatory costs or wage costs to companies if you're trying to decrease the unemployment rate, which is what we're doing right now. We're trying to decrease the unemployment rate. So yeah, I know that's a more convoluted answer than you wanted. Because I must admit, I'm sympathetic with a higher minimum wage, uh, particularly for federal contractors. But I don't; I, those can sometimes cause more harm than the benefit they cause.
0: Yeah, and I think obviously that debate's going to rage on a number of fronts. I mean, you have the to raise the wage act in Congress. Uh, I think we raised it in, in the House recently, and and other efforts at the the $15. We'll see kind of how that debate shakes out. Um, but to your point on the the current uh, contractor minimum wage is actually, I think 1095 most recently it was 1095 up, um, of, uh, on January 1st, of the it was 1010. It, yeah. yeah. There are adjustments. There's an annual adjustment. Yeah. So it was the Trump administration actually, yep. The, the Trump administration kept that Obama era executive order in place and, and, you know, handling annually, annually raised up to 1095, I think most recently. Right. So, so that's there. Um, uh, lastly, I guess as a, as a recent member of the executive branch, Do you have any advice that you would communicate to the Biden-Harris administration?
1: Yeah, I do. I I think they have just a tremendous opportunity to do good in in the roles that they're in. The country is looking for strong leadership, um, strong bipartisan, apolitical leadership to the extent that that's possible. Um, In the OFCCP area, I think a big part of that is engagement with the contractor community like you know one thing I saw when I started with CCP uh, as the director and even as a senior advisor before that was there was a lot of distrust by the regulated community of the agency and a and a view that the agency was was just seeking to find discrimination even where it may not exist that was and I'm not, I'm not saying that's what the agency was doing but that was what I heard from the contractor community and not enough um recognition and respect towards uh, the hardworking professionals in federal contractors who are part of the compliance divisions seeking to ensure full compliance. I have to tell you when I started the agency and I started engaging with our uh, compliance officers and our, our leadership, I saw that the agency wanted to take that sort of approach too. The compliance officers wanted to be able to recognize companies that were doing good work they wanted to be able to close cases quicker when there wasn't a finding to be made. They wanted to be more transparent with findings, earlier, trusting companies that they will try to fix it and work with the agency and that we won't be, and that the agency's mission would not be harmed by sharing more information earlier. And in fact, as we saw it, it was helped. So, so maintaining that approach of mutual respect between the contractor community and the agency. Uh, building on the memorandums of understanding that we've done uh continuing to engage with the contractor community i did over 100 speeches at OCCP uh that's something that should continue the OCCP director should be and and i believe you know director yang will be and already is a true leader for equal employment opportunity in the united states and so it's important to be present and interacting with the contractor community i think if they take that approach even though there will likely be more regulatory components as well, I think companies will be more willing to accept that. If they know that, you know, yes, the, the agency is going to focus more on pay equity, they're going to ask for more information, but they're going to be fair in how they analyze that, and they're not going to target companies. They're going to take a neutral approach to auditing. If they find, If they make a finding, they're going to fix it. If a company pushes back because they don't think it's fair, they're not going to target that company. They're going to work with them still and allow them to raise their their due process, which they have the right to do through this PDN rule that we did during the Trump administration that I hope carries on through the Obama, pardon me, through the uh, Biden administration, Uh, that is something that I think will serve them very well. Just that sort of tone and approach, because I think there's a lot of angst in the contractor community whenever there's a change in administration, particularly at OCCP. What will they do? Will they change the approach? Are they gonna ask for pay data? What are they gonna do? I think if it starts with that engagement, it, it, it works well. I did a lot of things uh, that some of them may have been unexpected by the contractor community. I, I, we, we created five focused review enforcement programs, including a tremendous focus on disability inclusion. And you know what? Even though there was a regulatory component to that, it, they were very well received because they were positive. They were helping people that needed that help, that deserved that help. And, they were, uh, and we were telling the companies about it every step of the way and getting their feedback, and they loved it. So if, if OFCCP is going to be looking at the pay gap, but they do it in a way that engages the contractor community and enlists them in helping to eliminate that in an appropriate way by giving standards that are workable and that could be used to help eliminate those pay gaps, I think that sort of approach will be well-received. If it's the government just coming in and telling you, this is what you're going to do, and we don't want your engagement or your advice, you do what we say, that is not going to be well received.
0: Yeah, and I'll say here internally at CIFARTH, we're certainly trying to figure out how to keep the voice of our uh, clients and, and employers generally uh, in the ear of the new administration. Craig, that thanks so much. I mean, there were lots of great information, lots of great uh, insights there. Uh, really appreciate you joining us today on the Policy Matters Podcast. To our listeners, please check out all our content on the CIFARTH website, reach out to your friendly neighborhood CIFARTH attorneys with any questions. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you, Scott. It's a real pleasure.
0: Craig, again, thanks for sharing so much great information and so many insights into OFCCP, where it's been and where it's going. Thanks to everyone for joining us on the Policy Matters Podcast. One more programming note, CIFARTH's Government Relations and Policy Group will present a webinar on Tuesday, February 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Please register on CIFARTH's website to join live or keep an eye out on the website for the post-webinar recording. Thanks for joining us today
1: on the CIFARTH Policy Matters Podcast. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit cifarth.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. While you're at it, we'd appreciate you sharing us with your colleagues on LinkedIn or your preferred social media.